Welcome back to the Dirsch Show. Today we're going to have a constitutional seminar about the appropriate role of religion, organized religion, but any religion, in our constitutional scheme of things. When the uh, Trump court uh, emerged, um, I predicted that one of the major changes that would occur would not be about specific cases. Criminal cases probably be decided essentially the same way. Many commerce clauses will be decided the same way. The big change would be that there is now a majority for allowing religion, formal, organized, mainstream religion, to become a more important part of our constitutional way of life, that the, the big switch uh, will be from the two provisions of the Constitution that seem in, in, in conflict, um, the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause. And just a, a reminder that the First Amendment um, was not written brilliantly um, uh, because it doesn't tell us exactly how to resolve this. But it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Pretty broad. Respecting an establishment of religion. And Congress has now been extended by the courts after the 14th Amendment to mean the states. Uh, any, any state, any governmental official actor cannot uh, take any action respecting an establishment of religion. Okay, that's one clause. And then after a comma, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So under our Constitution, you can't stop people from exercising their religious rights, but you can stop government from establishing religion or any form of religion, as I've said on past shows. What if one person's free exercise of religion requires them to urge establishment of religion? For example, Many within the tradition of the Catholic Church uh, believe that um, the uh, state should work together with the church and that uh, government should have an official religion and that official religion should be Catholicism. That's true in, in, in many parts of the world. It was true in virtually all of Europe uh, up until the Reformation and then even after the Reformation, uh, Protestantism was established in those states that didn't establish um, uh, um, Catholicism. Um, it's interesting that the one modern state, in addition to the United States, that does not establish a religion, this will sound strange to some people, is Israel. Uh, Judaism is not an official religion of uh, Israel. Uh, in Israel, uh, Islam and Christianity uh, have equal status with uh, Judaism. Israel is the nation-state of the Jewish people, which is more of an ethnic and nationalistic concept than it is a religious concept. I believe there's too much religion uh, intruding in government in Israel, but officially under the Israeli Declaration of Independence and its basic laws, um, Judaism has no official status as an, as an, an officially established religion. In Israel or in the United States, uh, there is no established religion. Uh, through the first few decades uh, of uh, the existence of the United States of America, states did have established uh, religions. Virginia had an established uh, a religion. It started out as Anglicanism, but once the revolution came in, Americans didn't want anything to do with it. English, so it became basically the Episcopalian church. 
um, uh, became the official uh, church of, of Virginia. Many other states had official religions. That's no longer permitted under the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, but we still have tremendous conflicts between the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause, as evidenced by uh, a number of obviously uh, recent recent cases. Um, the one I talked about the other day, Coach Kennedy, he believed that the free exercise of his religion allowed him to go to the 50-yard line after football games and offer public prayer uh, loud uh, uh, in a way that encouraged students to uh, join him. Uh, the public school uh, leader said, no, no, that would constitute an official endorsement of religion over non-religion or mainstream Christianity over other religions. And um, in that case, the free exercise won out over establishment in the Supreme Court 6-3, said that uh, Coach Kennedy had a constitutional right to exercise his religious faith in the way that he did at, at, at half court, uh, not in private, not in his locker, not uh, at home uh, alone, but uh, but he had the right to do it in the way that he did it. I, as you know, if you saw my prior podcast, I fundamentally disagree with that decision. I think it's wrong. I think it's inconsistent with years and years of um, uh, precedent. But this is a Supreme Court that will uh, ride roughshod over uh, over precedent. Um, and then we have Roe versus Wade, um, and and the decision overruling Roe versus Wade. Anybody who thinks that that has nothing to do with religion, forget about it. As uh, uh, my neighborhood folks used to say in Brooklyn, forget about it. Of course, religion is the dominant force in um, in outlawing abortion in 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 many states. Evangelical Christians, Catholics. Uh, get together often and work on trying to limit or abolish um, uh, abolish uh, abortion if possible. They make the pretense, well, let's leave it to the states, but that's not really what they want. They want everybody to ban uh, abortion, and in fact, they argue that there is a right to life, a constitutional right to life, and if there's a constitutional right to life, you can't leave it to the states. You have to obviously ban it completely uh, and hold unconstitutional state laws in New York, state laws in California, state laws in Illinois, state laws in Michigan, state laws in Massachusetts, all of which permit abortion, or in the words of those who oppose uh, abortion, all of which permit and authorize the murder of babies, child killing, genocide has been used uh, indeed to describe um, what abortion permits. Um, and so this is not about state rights for many, many people. It's about religious rights, the religious freedom, religious obligations. And religions are divided. Um, uh, Catholicism is very strict in abolishing, uh, prohibiting abortion, but it also prohibits contraception, uh, and it prohibits abortion from day one, and prohibits uh, even uh, taking a morning after pill. Um, some Protestant churches uh, prohibit abortion, others don't. Uh, the Jewish religion, it's complex. Um, uh, the life of the mother is always preferred in Jewish law over the life of of the fetus, um, and that's true until birth, virtually. Um, some people may think that goes uh, too far. Um, but there are differences. Um, different religions have different views on, on, uh, on abortion, but almost every religion has a view on abortion. 
under Jewish law, it is not murder. Um, the Torah distinguishes between murder on the one hand and um, uh, killing a fetus on the other hand. It's a serious matter, but it's not, it's not, it's not murder. Um, for many fundamentalist Christians, it is murder. And there's no difference between um, murdering a, two, a two-day-old uh, fetus and a 15-year-old uh, young woman. Uh, of course, uh, many people disagree with that. I certainly disagree with that. Um, for some on the other side, there's no difference between murdering a, <clears throat> uh, uh, an eight-month fetus and taking out an appendix. Uh, that's an equally absurd uh, point of view, which I, I fundamentally disagree with. The fetus is a something, a real thing. It's a potential life. But that potential life has to be balanced against the life, the existing life, <clears throat> and welfare of the mother. And I think abortion is always going to be a tragic choice, um, particularly in the middle. I don't think it's a tragic choice in the beginning. I think it's very easy. Of course you allow abortion at the earliest stages. I think it's very easy at the very end stages. Of course you don't allow abortion at the very end stages unless the life of the mother is uh, endangered. But in the middle, it's always going to be a tragic choice. Um, uh, A 20-week fetus is something. It's not an appendix. And people who call it an appendix are demeaning demeaning human uh, life. Just as people who say that a day-old um, um, a fetus, whatever you call a day-old thing, the day after conception, is no different than a 15-year-old uh, child, or demeaning life as well. There is a big difference between a 15-year-old child and um, a, a day-old fetus. So, um, uh, and and the courts should should understand those differences. As you know, I also think there's a difference between rights that have victims and rights that don't. And I do count abortion as a right that has victims. Uh, the, the fetus is a, a potential uh, victim. Gay rights has no, no victims. Um, uh, conception, uh, uh, contraception has no victims. Um, interracial marriage has no victims. And those uh, rights should be much easier to f- enforce. And <clears throat> whether, <clears throat> whether by the state or by the, by the federal government or by the courts, that's an issue for a different day. But today I want to focus on the role of religion. The American experiment, the New Republic, was an amazing experiment in secular governance. Uh, The Constitution was called the Godless Constitution. It was written largely by people who called themselves deists. Deists are people who today would probably be called um, agnostics. Uh, They weren't atheists. Uh, They believed in, in God but they believed in a distant God, a watchmaker God, a God who <clears throat> created the world and then left it alone, a non-intruding, non-intervening God. They didn't believe in prayer. Uh, they didn't believe in <clears throat> organized religion. I think it was Adams who said, in 30 years, most Americans will be b- buried as Unitarians. What is Unitarianism? Uh, the joke about Unitarianism is they believe in at most one God, but Unitarians reject uh, the New Testament uh, and the and the Jewish Bible. Um, they uh, don't believe uh, that Jesus is the Son uh, of God. Literally, um, they are a religion somewhere between Christianity and and and, and secularism. Um, uh, in New York, there are various organizations. 
secular religious organizations um, that uh, try to bridge that gap. Ethical culture is one of them. It regards itself as a religious organization. At, at Harvard Hillel um, in, in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, the, the chaplain of Harvard today is a, a Jewish atheist. Uh, he is the chaplain of the Humanist Society. The Humanist Society, which includes some very prominent people like my, my friend Steve Pinker, professor of psychology. Um, but it doesn't believe in God. <clears throat> and the Supreme Court has recognized that you don't have to believe in God to get the benefits of free exercise under the First Amendment. So. Uh, complicated, complicated, and the First Amendment doesn't solve the problem because, as I said, <clears throat> it speaks in a different way about establishing religion and about uh, non non <clears throat> establishment of of religion. And it's always been the job of the court to try to resolve those doubts. Ever since I was a college student, I, I studied uh, that issue and um, studied it very deeply. Went back and read the history and. And it's interesting to know that the whole idea of a wall of separation between church and state was created by religious leaders. It was designed to protect the church from the influence of the state. Roger Williams in Rhode Island coined the term uh, the wilderness and the garden in an essay or in a speech. Um, and, and he didn't want to allow the wilderness, meaning the state, to intrude onto the garden, which is the church, and from there was built the high wall of separation between church and state, which Thomas Jefferson and James Madison strongly, strongly believed in and imposed through the Constitution of Virginia first, and then the United States Constitution. It became uh, essentially the law of the land, and um, the the uh, First Amendment is not clear, but Article Six of the Constitution could not be clearer. Artisan Six of the Constitution was a break with all of history, the most remarkable few words ever written in a constitution. And you, you can't imagine how radical that was unless you try to put yourself back into the day uh, where every single country in the world had religious tests for holding office. I don't think there's a single exception of any country in the world not having a religious test for office. England, of course, had a strong religious test. France had a strong religious test. Italy, Spain, Ireland, uh, you name it. Russia uh, had a religious test. This was before communism. But the United States Constitution didn't need an amendment. It's right in Article 6. No, no religious test shall ever, ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. My God, what could be clearer than that? You cannot make any American stand up and swear an oath to religion, to God, to Jesus, to Muhammad, to Jehovah. You just can't do it under the Constitution. And the ministers, many of them, not the Roger Williams types, but others, were furious. This is a godless Constitution. It's going to bring upon the United States plagues and you name it. Uh, there were tremendous efforts to amend the Constitution, to add Jesus to the Constitution, and to add religion to the Constitution, to impose religious tests for 
holding office. Who, who would imagine back in the day that you could be a president of the United States and, and not a Christian? Well, we've never had a president of the United States who hasn't been a Christian, notwithstanding all the myths about Barack Obama. Barack Obama was and is a Christian. Um, but we've never had a non-Christian a president. We came close to having a vice president. I think he won the election. Um, Gore and Liebman, but the Supreme Court held held otherwise. And, um, you know, we will, of course, someday have non-Christian presidents. The Constitution permits it. We've had a couple of senators act absolutely unconstitutionally. A couple of senators have said they would never confirm to the Supreme Court an atheist. Well, I have to tell you a secret. You have. I'm not going to tell you who, but you have confirmed atheists to the Supreme Court uh, over the years. Um, it reminds me of my my friend Barney Frank when he came out as gay. Um, the, uh, Tip O'Neill, who was then the Speaker of the House, came over to him and said, Barney, don't do this. Don't, don't reveal that you're gay. Don't come out. Uh, if you don't come out, if you remain in the closet, you could be the first closeted gay Speaker of the House. And Barney Frank said, the fourth, and he walked out and left. And of course, Tip O'Neill followed him. Who else? Who are the other three? And Barney Frank said, I'll never tell you, uh, but I know who they are, because I was a friend of Barney Frank, and he told me. Um, in any event, the um, you've confirmed atheists, and you darn well better confirm atheists if they're nominated, because if you don't, you're acting unconstitutionally. You're violating your oath of office you're violating the provision that says no religious test shall ever be required. Religious test doesn't only mean you have to be a, a Christian rather than a Muslim or a Jew. It means you can't inquire about religion. And that religious test qualification was also violated by some Democrats. When they went after um, uh, Judge Barrett at the time, who was nominated to the Supreme Court, and they questioned her kind of in a nasty way about her religious feelings and her religious obligations, uh, much the same way that Kennedy was questioned, President Kennedy was questioned um, when he ran for office about his Catholicism, and he had to actually make a declaration saying that uh, he, he would act as an American, not as a Catholic, um, if, if he were elected president, and he would not take orders from uh, the Vatican. Justice Scalia took a somewhat different point of view. Um, he basically said he's a Catholic first, and he could never violate his Catholic obligations. And if he ever was forced to choose between his obligation as a Catholic and his obligation as a justice of the Supreme Court, um, he would have to resign, and he would uh, choose to act um, as a Catholic. Uh, and, 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 and there were arguments about whether he would have to do that in the abortion context, in the capital punishment context, and he actually wrote about that and said, no, not in the capital punishment context, even though he favored capital uh, punishment and the, the Vatican Church disfavors capital punishment. Uh, it is not a, a sin to favor capital punishment or to impose capital punishment. It's just basically the advice, the strong advice of the Catholic Church. And he said, he just having read all of it, rejects that advice. And so he feels free, and he felt free to um, uh, allow capital punishment to go forward despite the views of the Catholic Church against that and his commitment to the views of the Catholic Church. On abortion, it would be very different if he felt that he had to rule 
in a specific case that a woman must be given the right to have an abortion, he might have to resign. Continue. Sorry for the interruption. Technicalities, and I'm not very good at uh, internet. And I know a couple of you have written and said we should get a better internet connection. Believe me, we're trying. We're gonna we're gonna try to do that. We have a much better internet connection somewhere where we do this from. But for the next uh, few days or so, uh, I have to be here uh, where the internet connection isn't so great. So in the future, we'll have better internet connection, and we're gonna try to get better internet connection even for uh, now. So this is probably a good time to uh, break from my seminar <clears throat> and go to questions, which will basically be a continuation of, of the seminar. Uh, some letters, okay. Dershowitz is an example of the belief that liberalism is a mental disorder. I, I'm a proud liberal. I wrote a book called The Case for Liberalism, uh, and I support liberalism uh, completely. No matter how desperately they try to pretend that they are fair and reasonable, count on them to side with tyranny and injustice. Um, now the issue of abortion will go to the states and be subject to the will of the people in the legislative process. Um, liberals can't stand the thought of that. They'd much rather ram their noxious viewpoints down our throats. You don't understand liberalism. Liberalism is the most tolerant and centrist, um, along with true conservatism. Um, we don't believe in big government. Uh, we believe in the right to be left alone. Uh, we believe in separation of church and state. We believe in due process. We don't believe in ramming things down people's throats. Uh, we do believe that there are certain rights, just the way good conservatives uh, believe that. But one thing I can tell you, uh, liberals are, is not a synonym for mental illness. That's just, that's just absurd. Um, this letter says you need a much better internet connection. You're right. Um, here's another one uh, that continues on, on the religion uh, course. It's insane and illogical to think that the Constitution would allow, would allow, remember that, would allow the killing of an innocent person, being. So it's unthinkable that abortion would somehow be protected or endorsed by the Constitution. That's such dog shit crazy. Uh, to say or think in the first place. Well, I think almost everybody who's commented on the Roe case uh, s says that that's not true. Um, the people who support a woman's right to have abortion say that's in the Constitution. The others say leave it to the states, but the people who say leave it to the states say it's permissible. But what you're saying, and, and, and you represent a very, very tiny minority of people who are prepared to express their views, I think a lot of people hold your views but are unwilling to express them because they know it would be, they'd be shot down and be unpopular. But um, the vast majority of, of people who oppose a woman's right to have abortion as a constitutional right still say it's up to the states. You say, no, it's not up to the states. It's insane and illogical to think the Constitution would allow, would allow the killing. And, but, but even the, uh, the majority justices say the Constitution allows the killing of uh, an innocent uh, person, if it's a fetus, as long as the states allow it. 
So that's what's in illogical. Uh, your argument, the argument that uh, says essentially leave it to the states, but the states shouldn't really have the right to allow abortion. As another one says, murder is unconstitutional. No, no. Uh, uh, the killing of a fetus is not unconstitutional. It may not be constitutionally protective, but it's not unconstitutional. How about the killing of people on death row? Uh, we know we've mistakenly killed people on, on, on death row, um, and that's been held uh, constitutional. I, I, I wish it hadn't. Uh, the America I grew up in believes in the unalienable right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Abortion ends life. Again, that's just another perfect example of people talking out of both sides of their mouth. Uh, on the one hand, they say, leave it to the states. And on the other hand, they say the state shouldn't have the power to kill innocent people. This is the influence of, of religion. And, um, you know, look, reasonable people could agree or disagree as to whether a country is better off uh, with uh, a merger of church and state or not. The American way has always been not to require religious tests for any position in government. And if you don't require religious tests, that's another way of saying you can't really establish religion because if you have an established religion, then it almost automatically follows. You can require people to believe in that religion if they're going to be allowed to hold office. But we rejected that. And we rejected the notion of an established church and or the establishment of religion in, as I said, very, very broad terms. It doesn't just say you can't establish religion. It says, shall, and this is the first of the First Amendment. It's before freedom of speech. It's before freedom of assembly. Congress shall make no law respecting, respecting, that is involving in any way, an establishment of religion, an establishment of religion, not even the establishment of religion, but any establishment of religion, any law that partakes in giving governmental imprimatur to religion. As far as our First Amendment is concerned, religion and atheism are on exactly the same standing. That you are no less a citizen if you actively disbelieve in God than if you believe in God. And if you're a senator who actively believes in God, you are violating the Constitution if you vote against somebody who disbelieves in God because the Constitution specifically prohibits that. So I'm anxiously looking forward to your letters on that because uh, I strongly believe that the biggest trend that we will see coming in the Supreme Court is a brick-by-brick brick reduction in the wall of separation between church and state. We will see a greater influence of religion we will see division becoming a more divisive factor in an already divided country. That will not be good for America. See you next week.